At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Supposed to make the world a better place. What happened? I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. I know kung fu. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. This whole thing is insane. This whole thing is insane. Three hundred years ago, you'd have been burned at the stake. What do all men with power want? More power. This is now the United States of Zombieland. This whole thing is insane. Man is evil, capable of nothing but destruction. Everybody is stuck with the things that they're not proud of. More power. Welcome to the desert of the real. More power. There can be only one. Are you a God-fearing man, Senator? You're such a strange phrase. I've always thought of God as a teacher, as a bringer of light, wisdom, and understanding. You see, I think what you really are afraid of is me. Happy Heresies and welcome to the desert of the real. Heresy shouldn't be this much fun, but it is, it just is especially with the latest AB Live, audio version for thee. Daniel Moeller joined AB Live to discuss his new book, The Shamanic Soul, as well as his overall work as a modern shaman and seasoned occultist. How exactly does shamanism manifest today, loyal to its roots while still usable in contemporary esoteric practice? We got the answers and saw how shamanism and Gnosticism are very compatible. And we geeked out too and had a lot of fun talking about comic books and Philip K. Dick. Life is good in the Kenoma, even if no one here gets out alive. As I mentioned during the interview, the next show will be on the Bavarian Illuminati with astral guest John E. Graham. You won't want to miss the truth about arguably the most notorious secret society in modernity and perennial cultural boogeyman. Thank you as always to those of you who support this red pill cafeteria. You are amazing and your support, company, and feedback help grow this blasphemy. We need gnosis more than ever, needless to say. You won't find this high-quality, Gnostic and Hermetic wisdom 
or many of my guests and their unique insights anywhere else in cyberspace or even meat space. Don't forget my voiceover availability for any podcast, commercial, audiobook, documentary, or whatevs. I'll bring you stellar results with down-to-home professionalism. Other than that, let us to our latest AV Live. Write your own gospel, live your own myth. You've been sharing with the devil, haven't you? Why? My primary drive was to maintain the honor of my tribe. I gave myself a new drive. To spread the truth. What truth is that? That there isn't one world, but many. And that we live in the wrong one. This will help them find the door. Elaborate, please. I believe there is a door hidden in this place. A door to a new world. And that world may contain everything that we have lost. Including her. I built you to be curious, too. Look at this empty world and read meaning into it. All this time, you've been a flower growing in the darkness. Perhaps the least I can do is offer some light. And we are live. Welcome, everybody, to, yes, Aeon Byte Live. And, yes, we live in a world where men still have nipples. And there are 43 species of parrots. I think there's more than that. For those of you who will be listening in audio, that's the AB Live intro. And it's pretty raunchy, but uh, what are you going to do? My name is Miguel Connor, and I am still your pompadus of Gnosis. So welcome, everybody. I see people already piling into the chat room we will give our ground rules and all that good stuff here on this tuesday i believe tier day uh let's see no but let's see in spanish martes today is the day of mars of aries but it is always eternal here at the virtual alexandria and we are very excited about tonight's show we have with us daniel mahler to discuss his book the shamanic soul a book that I really dug. It was really awesome. Not only is uh, full of good knowledge and he hits all the right notes, uh, especially with the ethos of Aeon Byte, but it's a practical book that has a lot, ton of small, large, good exercises. And I definitely highly recommend. I also read The Sh- Shamanic Kabbalah, another excellent book by Daniel. So, Daniel, thank you very much for coming on the show. How are you? Good. Thanks, Miguel. Thanks for having me. Really excited. Excited to talk to you, man. And with us, we've got the Moondog Vance. Vance, is is Birdie happy we brought in the Birdie Num Num intro? He's delighted. He's singing back there. You hear him? (laughs) hear him. (laughs) Yep. All right, Birdie, you're on. (laughs) Good deal. All right. So I have Let's ask the audience to please put questions in all capitals and like question marks afterwards and also for tonight please don't squeeze the shaman 
<laughs> you never know what uh, might come out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm yes, dating myself. And, Does anybody remember that? Commercial? Yes, unfortunately, yes. Yeah. I remember the days of when commercials meant something, and we listened to their music and remember their stupid ass tunes. Lord have mercy. I don't know if today's are better. It's just different. And yes, for the audience, please write all capitals or question marks. If you have a super chat, we will get you to the top of the line. And uh, please uh, understand there is no guarantee we'll get to your questions, but we will. We always try our best to uh, to make you have a voice, and that's the reason for AM Byte, or one of the reasons for AB Live. So, um, but anyway, uh, not much in uh, housekeeping, no big news. Uh, shows continue to come. Our next show will be uh, everybody's favorite boogeyman, the Illuminati. That will be next week, and I think you'll enjoy it. But it's more, isn't it more of a sober historical one, Vance? It's not uh, the usual stuff. Yeah, you know, I got a couple of pyramid jokes in, but uh, yeah, it was pretty (laughs) mysterious. I burned my Illuminati card after, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still fascinating. Just historical, fascinating organization. Very so. uh, And we talk about the reasons why they became such a. Legendary group, but uh, that will be next week. And uh, Adam, yeah, <laughs> somebody wrote Illuminati. It's like <laughs> <laughs> so uh, awesome. Well, Daniel, let's start talking about you. How did you exactly get into shamanism? Um, well, it really, it really just kind of came on at an early age. My, you know, I was raised in the Ozarks. I was raised with kind of your traditional midwestern christian upbringing but my uh my own personal religious leanings always led towards something more natural um more tangible um i was always you know one of the kids that was just asking too many questions and um inquiring a little too deeply about um scripture and 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 asking questions that shouldn't be asked so um and uh, I was lucky enough to kind of grow up on a really nice piece of land. And I had my own like set of woods in my own very backyard. And that's, you know, where I spent most of my time. I lived pretty far out. I didn't live in any neighborhood. And um, so it was always kind of like in me being in the natural world and just learning to have a relationship with God directly from nature. Um, and um, but it never really quite hit that you could get shamanic training that you could interact with people that were still practicing these, you know, ancient indigenous ways that you only saw in movies. Um, you know, it always just seemed kind of like this faraway prospect for me that wasn't really real or tangible until, um, really my like late to late twenties, early thirties. Um, you know, I was not doing very well in my life as you read in my book. Um, you know, I was suffering from PTSD. I was incredibly sick. Um, I was in and out of the hospital and, um, someone had suggested to me, um, to see a native American healer or a shamanic healer. I had no idea what really that meant. Um, but fortunately I live in a community in Kansas city. We're a (laughs) thriving spiritual community on the alternative circuit. You wouldn't think so, but there's just a mass quantity of different variations of um, alternative spiritual traditions and faiths here. 
And um, somebody actually hooked me up with someone who was trained in Peruvian Kirindismo and who was linked back to uh, many generations and a very specific lineage of Peruvian shamanism. Um, and he had also been trained uh, with uh, other variations of um, Northern Native American uh, healing methods, um, specifically from the Lakota lineage. And um, I mentioned him in my book as Don Daniel himself. So his name was Daniel itself, which was quite mm -hmm. coincidental. And he ended up only living about 20 minutes away from me on the outskirts of the city. Um, and through him, I ended up getting hooked up with a wide network of people um, in Peru, across the world. Um, and it just, you know, never looked back, um, really, really turned me around. Um, and so that's when I really went deep, really went deep. Awesome. Yes, I love uh, in your book, you share your experiences, both mystical challenges and like all of us. There's no one and done. It's a process that continues no matter how spiritually advanced you think you are. But uh, what struck me or jumped out was you talked about Don Daniel. And he told you that you were, when he read you, you might say, he said, you are fragmented. You needed basically individuation. So he was already like whipping out. A form of Jungianism, but as we'll <laughs> yeah. talk, Jung, you know, what Jung did was a shamanic journey. Yeah. So and the language the shamans speak is the same one, but he said mm -hmm. you were fragmented, you need to be united. And he also quoted the Gospel of Thomas, that yes. famous saying to you, if if you bring forth what is within you, it will save you. If you do not bring it forth, it will kill you. So uh, that was uh, right there. And then he teach you right there that there's different worlds and you're supposed to get all your three worlds together. Is that what it was? Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, I can't speak to every shamanic cosmology that's out there, but um, specifically from the Peruvian tradition that I practice, there are three basic worlds um, that are not really literal places of being, but they're more states of consciousness. Um, dimensions of being within oneself and how you interact with the world around you. And they're split into three different um, places. So we call them the low. And Michael Harder kind of broke it all out in the way of the shaman and many other anthropologists have, you know, kind of distilled, you know, this into either the lower world, the middle world or the higher world. Um, and in Peru, they call it the Ukupacha, the Kaipacha and the Hanakpacha, which just literally mean that lower, middle, higher worlds. Um, and what they are, though, is that if you want to kind of relate them to a person's consciousness, the lower world is that place where your subconscious resides. Um, so it's very Jungian in the sense that, you know, the subconscious isn't bad, but definitely, um, you know, if you have repressed emotions, repressed memories, um, you know, things like that, that um, you struggle with and are in conflict with. It's just like that saying of Yeshua and Gospel of Thomas, what is within you will destroy you if you don't, you know, bring it out and assimilate it. And the same with the upper world is kind of like that higher world of like uh, aspirations, um, your inspirations within your life. Um, you can relate that to you know, angels and the heavens or whatnot, but I don't really tend to make it that literal. And the middle world is right here where like those two things meet, like your higher self and lower self coalesce here in, in this realm. And to do that in a balanced way is to be able to be open 
to both states of being and bring them here. And when one doesn't, you're, you're acting, acting from a fragmented state, from a broken state of mind. Um, you're not able to actually participate in this world in a balanced way, in a way that actually serves your, your highest good and the highest good of those around you. Um, so that was the whole process of my healing endeavor. I mean, I had gone through, um, I mean, I had physical ailments. My, my emotional state had manifested in, into like physical states of being. I was, you know, covered in boils, um, night, you know, 24 hours a day that were like constantly bleeding, painful. Um, they kept putting me into the hospital and they just kept me at one point it got so bad a doctor had even possibly mentioned amputation on when I had one on my leg, it was horrific. Um, but, uh, you know, through the, that sort of shamanic work that I did with Don Danielle was, um, able to kind of like merge these worlds within myself, um, which is based upon, if you think about, you know, past, present, and future, that lower realm is sort of like those regressions of your past, the higher realm, your aspirations for the future and bringing those into the present in a holistic way and accepting, you know, those regressions of your past. It was through that, that, you know, I was able to kind of find that process of individuation, which Jung talks about. Um, and, um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't have those physical disabilities anymore. I mean, I, I've been healed. I mean, part of that was a lot of like this, you know, a lot of work that had to be done as well as, you know, using, you know, Western medicine at the same time. I'm not going to say that it was just like this complete miracle that Western medicine didn't help. Um, but it didn't get me there because I was using Western medicine and it, it wasn't getting me to the state where I needed, um, and, you know, if you talk to doctors, they'll always say, hey, if you're really stressed, you're going to get sick. That manifests in a real way. And that can manifest in a real dangerous way, specifically when it comes to things like trauma. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. the As they say, the body doesn't lie and all that stuff uh, has to go somewhere somehow. So, well, glad you, you found your path. Uh, it's almost... Uh, yeah, it's always a great thing when you can find what works for you. And it's interesting, um, I am directly quoting Don Daniel, where he says, um, the shamanistic journey is about getting to know yourself deeply. So would you say that is what shamanism, or when people ask you, I'm sure you're when you're at a supermarket, some lady will go turn around, hey, what is shamanism? Forget about Will Smith and Chris Rock. What is shaman? What what is your uh, elevator pitch of what is shaman? People ask me that about Gnosticism all the time. Yes, the no. Will Smith slap is shamanism. Um, <laughs> exactly. No, uh, I I like to define shamanism as um, a, any kind of psychonautic endeavor that um, enters a person into an altered state. So it doesn't have to be um, psychedelics, entheogens. It doesn't have to be a shamanic journey. It could be meditation, drumming, whatever, but whatever gets you within an ultimate state where you are traveling to other places of being states of being such as those three worlds interacting with entities within those states and then bringing wisdom back, bringing medicine back. So that to me is like what makes something shamanic real. And, um, Roger Walsh has a really good, in his book, World of Shamanism, he has an excellent definition of it that I'm kind of paraphrasing, but those are kind of the main points of being. It has to be of service. So you're doing something of service to another individual, 
but you have to be traveling into those altered states and getting information, whether it's a medicine journey or a, you know, a statement, a certain kind of uh, shamanic healing, whatever that you're bringing back to, to, to bring to another human being. Um, so that's kind of what I feel like, you know, the definition is it doesn't necessarily have to be indigenous, right? It doesn't have to be something that is specific to um, a tribe um, of some sort. I mean, it's a, that's the kind of endeavor that we can do here in the modern world. It's, and that's one thing I learned too, is, you know, um, as a shamanic practitioner, if you're just trying to practice and replicate what the person did before you, there's something about the shamanic path that really tries to resist doctrine and it doesn't like repetition. It likes to adapt um, because it it's like, it's part of like the evolutionary cycle of the planet. It's part of us as evolving human beings. So because of that, like shamanic practices have to grow and adapt, you know, into the modern world. And that's one thing I really appreciate about uh, um, a lot of like the Peruvian methods. There's a syncretic nature to all of them that bring in <clears throat> Roman Roman Catholicism. Um, they bring in other modern methods, Tarot, um, Kabbalah. So, um, you know, I've, I've found that really interesting about the kind of Peruvian motif, <laughs> shamanic motif. Love to hear that. Yeah, I think I would agree with you. The, the shaman is the individual who is the explorer of the soul. And obviously we can agree from the hermetic ideals that as above, so below. If you go within, you're really taking a travel to another universe. You're going to places where time and space are going to break down. Normative reality is going to break down. You're going to get into these uh, these powerful places, whether you call them the collective unconscious, the Akashic records, the place of your ancestors, the next universe but the shaman like you said is the the hero that goes to these spiritual places and brings back the knowledge for the tribe and this can be the gnostics were very shamanistic altered states voyages merkaba jews many neoplatonists it, like you said it's just not people in siberia or south america right right yeah yeah and that's one thing i've always appreciated about um, gnostic traditions and hermeticism they're very I mean, gnosis is shamanism to me. They're, they're like very synonymous with each other. And so um, I, I, it, I'm kind of at a point where it's really hard for me to define something as strictly shamanic because of that. So it's a, it's a term that's very fluid at this point in our nomenclature in the 21st century. It is, century. it is. Sometimes it's confusing. I mean, terms like pagan, gnosis, occultism. Why does that word even exist? Not yeah. hidden anymore. Yeah. It's, it's just, uh, it's so, but again, I think shamanism works. I love the fact that you bring the syncretic part because I agree with you that in that place, these religions even gnosticism and hermit they were very new agey they grabbed wherever they felt like because it worked so and if the peruvians are doing it's great because do you ever uh, get accused of cultural appropriation my stance is simple if something calls you i i don't give a shit what it is mm -hmm. i'm going you know if if a chinese uh, religion called me or a god from ethiopia i don't care i'm going for it uh, yeah, I've gotten accused of cultural appropriation a lot. Um, I, I, you know, I was even very closely involved with um, some Northern Native American traditions, and there are many that are very open and accepting. There are many that very much are not, um, mm. and understandably so. 
Um, you know, uh, but my stance on that and what was taught to me by my teachers, Don Danielle, Don Oscar, um, and others is that, you know, <laughs> the shamanic path is global. It's universal. It, it like, we're all, you know, sisters and brothers, we're all children of Gaia, of mother earth, of Pachamama, as they say, in in um, in Peru. And that it doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're in one tribe or another or one lineage or another, like we're, we're all like able to like have these, you know, skills. I don't even want to like call them guests. There's just skills that we've for long forgotten. Um, and it's time for us to just remember them and start making them a part of our daily lives. And the more that we all do that and we all try to like love and respect one another, the better, you know, that's, that's, what's going to help heal the planet. Um, so yeah, I've had a lot of conversations about that. And, you know, I even wrote an article once called nobody owns the word shaman. It's, it's, um, because there's been a lot of people that try to take that word and mm -hmm. say, nobody can be a shaman, but only these people within this specific tribe. And it's like that, that word was not only did it come from Siberia, but, um, that it was actually kind of bastardized by anthropology over time. And like all language, all language is syncretic, really all language of evolves and grows. And then it takes words from other languages. And how many words do we have in our own language that come like condor and puma that come from? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the nature of language. You know, it just evolves. Um, so it's the word we have right now to find what this kind of practitioner is and what this role is in society. And maybe it'll grow into something different, like Nastikoi or something. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> the Mendians can complain. This is a closed <laughs> system. You're culture appropriating our stuff. Uh, yeah, and I think they were open. I mean, we know <laughs> that Native Americans in our history accepted uh uh, runaway black slaves. They accepted the Scottish. There were times when some tribes had more white people or more black people than Native Americans because yeah. that's what you did with the tribe. And I wanted to share a quick story. And in fact, when I did the promo material, it's got the woman with the the feathered ha hairdress and yeah. like she's she's not Native American. I thought I could get somebody upset, <laughs> but that never happened. I try to, but I'm not even being politically incorrect because there. I remember there was an influencer. She was a Russian girl, and she 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 showed up in Instagram with again the alleged Native American feather hairdress. And she got attacked and she's like, what the hell's wrong with you? I'm from the east of Moscow, from Kazan, where the Russians would wear feathered hairdresses. And then you look mm -hmm. in Indonesia, all these places wear them from all these places. But right. people just had to have a meltdown over this. It was very yeah. fun. I mean, every spiritual tradition, as you guys know, it all stems from some sort of shamanic component. And the Every feather is a symbol of the sky of traveling the heavens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I learned to ignore those criticisms a long time ago, and there, there's, they actually become more and more minimal um, as the years go by. It seems, and the more I connect with other, you know, shamanic practitioners and elders from uh, other, like from even from the First Nations here in. Mm -hmm um north america you know everybody's just be trying to becoming more and more accepting mm -hmm. and, and open and they they don't want 
the more division and conflict that we have, the more divisiveness, the worse things are going to get. So people are just realizing that. But again, I do understand too. I mean, especially like from like my, my uh, people that I know from the Lakota um, lineage, like I completely get like hundred percent and I do my best to try to respect that um, because man, bad rap, you know, yeah, they got yeah. it bad. Yeah. As long as you're not exploring, I don't think Don Danielle has to worry. He'll be doing an exercise. You'll be drive one day in a Mercedes with all these Pachacuti calendars <laughs> and all this money. And like, hey, guys, thanks for everything. I've got no, they don't have know, to worry about that. You don't make much money selling books nowadays. It has to be a passion <laughs> and uh, something that you love and that you're trying to actually, you know, communicate like you're, you don't. This is not the way to make money at this shit. No, no, no. So, Even if you get these Silicon Valley guys wanting an ayahuasca trip, uh, there are a few. Yeah. But oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we could always start a cult, but uh, not <laughs> not going to happen in my neck of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thanks for that. And uh, have Woody, have you watched the movie Encanto? I didn't know. No, about I have the movie. not yet. Yeah. Until a few weeks ago, my kids are walking around the house, you know, we don't talk about Bruno. And I'm like, what's this song? And then I got caught on the song. Then I watched the movie and I really liked it. But uh, haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm definitely drawn to it. That's like that's one of the the words that's that's used um, in Peru. In it's like the raw. It. Yeah, the raw power of nature in Cantos. It's like the, that enchanting mystical power. Um, that the that the shamans use to kind of like they use it to they draw from that energy um, to use in their ceremonies and so it definitely looks like a very enchanting movie for sure. Yeah, you say Encanto is there are parts of nature that are immovable, right? The sun's going to come out, the wind, but then there's energies of the nature that humans can have access to mm -hmm. change reality. Yeah. And um, the way I was taught is that it's um, sometimes thicker in other areas. Um, it, it's fluid in and of itself. And kind of, so like sacred sites, for instance, much more viable with like that Encantos energy, um, whereas just like your average corner on the street might not. It doesn't mean that there's no Encantos that exists because every place is sacred. Mm -hmm. But for instance, if you have certain sacred sites that people go to, they flock to, they're praying on, and they're they're constantly doing ceremony, you're drawing that power. It's just like it's just attraction. And I hate using that word because of like the power of attraction. And I I don't mean that, but it's just like that that gravity of like the the energy that gets built up, you know. Um, so it, you can you can utilize it. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, we definitely want to talk about some of the rituals in your book and so forth. But uh, first, Vance, any questions from you or the audience? And for the audience, please remember, all caps, question marks. If you have a super chat, we'll bring it up. We will try to get to all your questions since more and more people are showing up. Go ahead, yeah. Um, Julieta Carmona wanted to know if... Um, if you could talk about shape-shifting or if you know about that. I know like in the uh, Don Juan, Carlos Castaneda books, they talked about shape-shifting a lot, turning into crows and wolves and the coyote and all that stuff. Um, what do you know about that? Um, yeah, I won't speak to Carlos Castaneda and any of any of that stuff, but um, in, uh, it, it's very common 
in in deep deep ceremonies um, for shape shifting to occur in the sense of my my maestro in our ceremonies, which were often at night, um, uh, specifically using uh, the San Pedro uh, cactus as a sacrament. So that was the entheogen that we would imbibe, the sacred plant, what we call wachuma, and it's very common during the healing ceremony for the um, a kirandero to shift into various animal forms to to kind of embody the power and the medicine of that animal. So the cover of my book um, has a drawing of a of a certain steely from the Shavin tradition that is a is a mix of uh, jaguar, serpent, and condor, um, and that is also emblematic of all three realms because each one of those animals are totemic of the three realms, and it's the it's the goal of the shamanic practitioner to embody those three animals because they represent those three realms. It's being perfectly imbalanced, right. uh, perfect balanced. I'm sorry. So um, it it can happen very much that they will act almost possessed or act out as those animals. And when you're on medicine in those ceremonies in the middle of the night, they may actually seem like they are those animals. I mean, they may actually appear as a jaguar, for instance, which happened to me in one of mine. Um, and it's it's kind of astounding. It's like, you know, it's the medicine, it's the ceremony, it's all kind of working together and whether or not it's just like me imagining it. Um, but it's very interesting to come out of those ceremonies and multiple people seeing the exact same thing and seeing the exact same thing take place in someone shape-shifting into a bird or something. Um, so it can happen. and. I kind of liken it to like in the voodoo traditions where, you know, they will, um, you know, a, a practitioner will be possessed by a certain liwa, a certain spirit to embody their aspects, right? Or like in the Hellenistic traditions of kind of like invoking, you know, um, a, a certain god or deity to embody their aspects um, and their beings as medicine. So that's kind of where, you know, that was, that's my experience of shape-shifting. Um, but no like literal turning into crows and flying into the next state or <laughs> anything like that. Sorry to disappoint if that. <laughs> At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Yeah, remember, uh, Vince, remember my talk at, uh, the, at the Astronosis? I was talking about the Ophites, the ancient Gnostics, and Hippolytus says that they would shift into animals during their rituals. So they were doing shaman. Scholars think that they were dressing up as animals. You know, again, I, my joke, history's first furries, but they were. Yes. They also were doing the shamanistic thing of shape-shifting, and maybe they were dressing up, maybe it was 
entheogens, but it's really that part of yeah, communing with the animal spirits, right, Dan? Yeah, and yeah. it's yeah, and and so there's a, a a Native American dance that I uh, attend once a year where um, it's kind of like uh, the sun dance, um, but a little bit different. And they they actually dress. There's a a certain part of that dance called the badger dance where they they will dress like and act like badgers and the the leaders of that dance will come up behind the dancers and attack them like badgers as a way of getting rid of negative energy, getting rid of any sort of heavy energy as a way of like devouring and consuming so you can be more light and free and moving forward and, you know, things like that. So it's about just embodying that, that power and the medicine of that animal and channeling it um, and using it for a specific purpose. Yeah, because the Ophites, the serpent, yeah, they were each archon was an animal that controlled a heaven. And if you would become that, you could overcome that heaven or that animal. So, mm -hmm. Very interesting. Well, you know, I, I read that the, actually the word shaman comes from Seiman, which means men who know. Right. So there's a connection directly with Gnosis. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. it's all kind of comes together, just cultural backdrops, I guess. Mm -hmm. and environments and so forth got another question here um did you do a vision quest a traditional sioux vision quest in your uh in your travels and your experience uh so, uh humblecha um is that what they're probably referring to that's that's a traditional lakota vision quest a lakota vision quest i have not i did do a vision quest i've done a few but I, I did do one in my particular tradition called a Pakuwachu, um, which is a Paco's walk is what it means. A Paco is just like a shamanic priest in the Indian tradition. And that that is a, a, a ceremony of spending three days um, on a mountain on an Apu that is your spiritual connector to the to the other realms. Um, so Apu is a is a word that uh, means Lord. That's the way they see the mountains in Peru. They, they're the mountains are like the emissaries of the Hanak Pacha here on this realm. Um, and so uh, traditional uh, Pakawachu is you go and you spend three days on the mountain um, on your own by yourself, you know, no tent, no nothing, you know, just you and the mountain um, asking for a petition of that, that Apu spirit um, to to basically be its ambassador on on the on the planet to be to be a disciple to like take their wisdom and 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 to take it out on the uh, into the world um, and I, I actually I actually didn't I, I had the opportunity to do mine in Peru but I didn't want to do that but my favorite mountain was actually we were talking earlier Miguel's in Colorado um, mm -hmm. and Blanca Peak which is actually the eastern gate of the Navajo Nation. Um, in a very special place to me. So that's where I ended up doing mine. Okay, great. So do you think TV is anti-shamanic? <laughs> Why Somebody would you say that? that? <laughs> I don't know. Nothing. That, to, so to me, the, the sh shamanic cosmovision is about everything being conscious, right? So that, that, um, animistic um, ideology um, of just understanding that everything has some sort of um, purpose and reason. And, and I don't like the word spirit, but like soul, like something has some aspect of soul that it's being expressed into the, the world of reality of this reality for a reason. So 
we all are a part of Pachamama and we all are a part of that consciousness. And we created TVs and cell phones and internet for a reason. And it serves a, an amazing purpose. I mean, the fact that we're even able to do this right now is pretty outstanding. Um, and it's the kind of like a level of telepathy that like the early, you know, our early ancestors, you know, would have been, you know, floored with. So um, it's got, but with everything, everything has its like positives and negatives and its addictions and any kind of anything you learn in any um, indigenous traditions can have their addictions to it as well. Um, like tobacco, it's got its positives and negatives, you know? Um, so that's my answer to that question. <laughs> everything casts a shadow. Yes. Yeah. Everything can be weaponized, even the good stuff. Yeah. How about do they have the uh, particular you know gods in in the higher realms and so forth? The little characters or you know um, demigods, gods or or uh, other supernatural beings in particular. In the Peruvian tradition, there's you know various deities like Huerta as the creator being, and there are various levels of that. Um, that uh, I was actually looking at G G GRS Meads. Um, book on Simon Magus. Um, oh, I was just ago. reading that last night. Yeah, and there's that diagram in there that kind of goes through Simon's, you know, idea of the universe. And I've kind of, you can kind of relate to the various aspects of how they, um, how they have the creator being laid out um, into three different levels. Um, there's also, you know, the, the, it, it, it's more related to the natural bodies, though, as well. Nothing too esoteric, um, such as, you know, Mama. Mama Kia as, you know, the grandmother moon, uh, Inti Taita as father's son. Um, but there are, there are beings in the upper realms that they call, um, Estrias, which are just the stars, um, or the Apogeas, they also call them. And those are kind of the beings that reside in where coaches realm that serve as, you know, you could call them, you know, star guides, ascended masters, you know, things like that. Um, I, I tend to muck around in the mud a little bit more myself and like to like to kind of stay, keep my feet on Pachamama personally. Kind of grounded then. You're grounded. Yeah. I'm I'm a more of a <laughs> earth person. I, I'm a let down in some ceremonies because I'm like, <laughs> stop traveling out in the stars and be here. Be here no now. blue Pacina for you. <laughs> <laughs> I like awesome. where we live. It's a cool planet. Yeah, it can be. Um, but speaking of <laughs> this planet, well, that, that actually, it, this ties into my next question, and that's mm. the how real is this planet? Obviously, the Gnostics were hit the old simulation theory, probably one of the first people in Western civilization to do it. Uh, obviously, you have that tradition in many places in the East, but as you write, the tradition of our world being some sort of illusion is very much found in Mesoamerica and others, even in Africa, right? Even the Dogon tribe. I was, mm -hmm. I was surprised about that one, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so Maya, um, which is the, you know, Hindu word for illusion. It's, you know, the world is sort of in the way we interact with it is a sort of smoke screen um, that can get in the way in my um, previous book, uh, Shamana Kabbalah, I talked a lot about metote, um, mm -hmm. which is a Toltec word for like this fog that um, exists that prevents us from seeing 
what I call actuality. So, you know, there are other terms for it, but I, I have to relate thing into like my Western frame of mind so I can understand it for myself rather than just adopting other terms. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of consider reality being that sort of like matrix that we live in um, and actuality being that, that, that space that is the absolute, the, the, the truth um, of what exists. And we don't, we don't really have a framework of being able to, other than, you know, where we've developed science as a way to try to get to those absolutes, but it still exists. And um, I, I personally believe that the daimonic realms exist as an intermediary between those two uh, to kind of keep that illusion alive um, to, and for a purpose, I think probably for a specific purpose, I don't like it a lot of the times and it can be a struggle. Um, and I don't know what that purpose is, other than it's a pretty interesting game <laughs> and it keeps us on our toes, always trying to figure out what that absolute is and what that actuality is. But yeah, I definitely, and I, I that's like a strong um, component of shamanic ceremony is to pierce the veil that shrouds um, that actuality um, into this world and, you know, of what we see here and what we experience here um and you know there's you know puncturing through that veil can be really jarring sometimes it's not it's not fun it's not a trip it's not like it's not easy sometimes too it can which is why i always suggest you know make sure you if people are interested in you know doing this sort of work you've got to find someone that you trust um very much so someone that um has a really good rapport and um because it, it, it can it can lead to your brain cracking in, in certain cases, for sure. For sure. Yeah, so I guess <clears throat> the shamanistic quest is just like a mutual hero of us said, which were the two things you need to look in life, and that's Philip K. Dick. But there's two questions. What is reality, and what does it mean to be a human being? Mm-hmm. So Phil was just asking the questions of the journey every shaman needs to take. He is the modern day shaman, Philip K. Dick, for sure. For sure. A lot of it. I mean, when I was getting into shamanic training, it was a lot of his work really that kind of started opening me up and helping me understand because I can sit there and read from an anthropology text or I can be given information from a shaman in Peru about this is the upper world. This is the da 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 da. But how, how does my Western frame of mind really understand that. And Philip K. Dick was one of those authors, including like Terrence McKenna and others that helped me kind of assimilate all that inf- that information, which would normally be kind of abstract to, you know, a real tangible experience as a, as a Western whitey. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause they're bringing in technology. They're bringing in some politics, uh, they're trying to revive the entheogens. Well, we'll fill it was amphetamines, but uh, yeah, yeah. The perfect example of a shaman, the guy whoever asked about the television, he lived a very pop culture, fast food, drugs from the pharmacy life, the, yeah. the farthest away you would think from a curandero. Yeah, but Phil was still able to have these visions. So, yeah, because he was searching. I think that's it, right? And he. Now I've read about him and he wasn't always the nice, he wasn't the nicest uh, of individuals for sure. He wasn't very virtuous, but the medicine he did put out into the world through his books 
um, I feel like was very important. I mean, the lease, the lease got definitely got me through a very hard time in my life. <laughs> that book was amazing. Which one? Valis. Valis. Oh. Everybody pronounced it different. I call Valis. Valis. Yeah. Who knows? Vance, how do you pronounce it? Valis. Valis. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's oh, Valis was. Thing. I'm gonna go the Moondog Vance way. <laughs> <laughs> That's the safe route to go. He is Watch back Radio by the Free. <laughs> yeah, Rock Radio Free album is too. That's where um, the original form of Valis. I need to see. I need to see that movie. Yeah, it's a great. It's a great. I, movie. I hear it's I one of the it. better interpretations of his work. Absolutely, yeah. it's very close. It's very close. Well, to the book, Radio Free album. Is. Yep. And then yeah, they you have. That uh, into, yeah, they yeah. have. There, there's two uh, teams. You've got Chris Knowles, Van Sachi, Radio Free album, and I'm more with the Valis <laughs> crowd. They're kind of the same story. Dan, they are, but uh, Valis is more. He. Uh, kind of breaks a fourth wall and starts talking about Gnosticism and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that his, his concept that this is another illusion breaking reality breaking thing, but that the, the empire never ended, you know, that Mm -hmm. we're, we're still living in this, you know, simultaneity of like time and space. And we're just, we're, and that's where I, that's where I kind of get my um, perspective of uh, reincarnation. Not that there's like this literal, oh, I was Joan of Arc in a past life, but that time and space is actually, and that's, this is part of the illusion thing that time and space is actually collapsed. We just break it out into a diachronic past, present, and future framework in order to just so our minds don't break (laughs) um and you know philip k dick really broke into that and structurally valis also you know really kind of you know pulls you into its own shamanic journey itself um you know the the way that he uses language to kind of you know break that fourth wall and um hyper reality just oh it's brilliant yeah perfect work it's it's one of my favorites same here and like you it was uh i was reading the nag hammadi library it made sense to me the story of sophia and the gnostic jesus but yeah it was really when i read valis i was like aha now i understand it was that and donnie darko of all things that combination (laughs) was like now i understand gnosticism 100 percent, or at least i i feel it you know that's awesome So, uh, yeah, Johnny Darko. <laughs> I love <laughs> but, it. But yeah, I mean, as we're talking, yeah, you don't need to be, uh, you can be a shaman, everybody, everyone, and all these cultures have sh- shamanism, Gnosticism is shamanic. There's so many others. Uh, your book, Shamanic Kabbalah, we're talking about syncretism. You obviously show how the, the Kabbalah is one of the, it's Jewish shamanism, it's Jewish Gnosticism, right? Totally, it is. Um, yeah, I the Kabbalah I love so much because it's um, so perfect for the Western mind because it really lays out a, a, a structured view of the universe using numbers, using language, um, uh, diagrams, and and symbols. It's so detailed um, and so effective in, in terms of like a means of gnosis. Um, of having a relationship with that like composite symbol and all of the information contained therein and mapping that through various aspects of your life and different adventures in your life. Just it never, it never ever stops. We were talking briefly, I think maybe it was before we started recording about Crowley and 
um, in his book, Magic Without Tears, I'm not like the biggest fan of Crowley. I'm just going to say out front, but his book, Magic About Tears, Without Tears, he says something about Kabbalah is like totally just needs to be a way of life. There's no, there's no just like learning it. And then you got your certificate and you're graduated. And that's kind of the way just the shamanic path is in general, the great work and anyway, but Kabbalah always has to be applied to every nuance of your life. It's like seeing the symbols of that system everywhere you go. It just be, makes things richer and richer and richer. So, but yeah, a lot of strong correlations between Kabbalah and min, not just, you know, Peruvian shamanism, but many other cultures across the planet. Um, you know, and specifically, you know, in the Western mystery tradition and, and um, Freemasonry um, with the pillars um, of the, uh, of the temple of Judaism, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a temple in Peru um, one of the most ancient temples that actually were San Pedro Quirindismo comes from that has um, two pillars like Boaz and Joachim of the Temple of Jerusalem, one black, one white for its wow. entrance. Like it, it's, it's mind blowing. It's, it's mind blowing. And those for people that don't know Kabbalah, those pillars are embedded into the tree of life, into that symbol system um, of the Kabbalah, because it's like, you're the whole point of the symbol is that you are in the temple of Jerusalem. You are that initiate, um, amidst those two pillars, which have all sorts of representations. We could talk forever, but we might bore the world. I think we, the three of us could probably talk forever about it, but <laughs> well, we could always just argue all night about how to pronounce Valis and Kabbalah, Kabbalah. <laughs> that could be our big one, something petty like that. But yeah, your your book does a a great job, and you you bring a lot of uh, Dion Fortune. Why do you think? Well, how does she speak to you? What what do you think is her contribution to the modern Kabbalah? Um, she is a brilliant. I mean, I, I I've of course never met her, but I when, when in her writings. Um, she found a way to take something that, I mean, and I know the Golden Dawn had a huge part in this, but in the way that she kind of took Kabbalah and made it just um, accessible to the modern person from that day. Now, the normal person reading mystical Kabbalah today might, her book, you know, might not think so, but I feel like it was completely accessible. She speaks to it in such a way that is less Judaic and more just about the human being in this, you know, consciousness. And, um, and that's one thing I love about the Western mystery tradition. It kind of makes things a little bit more generic and just understandable to where you can kind of apply, you know, almost any kind of uh, spiritual path or symbol system to the Kabbalah. And the great thing about her and not many other people did this in kind of those um, early occult years of the 20th century, or they didn't do it as well as her, but her fiction uh, along with her nonfiction really helps you understand um, I, I, I don't gnosis um, path working you know that 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 shamanic journey at a practical level because all her teachings are still in her fiction works but um, there's no better way of understanding like the application of magic and mysticism than than through her stuff and that's what she meant to do it wasn't like an accident um, so she's She's an amazing teacher. Um, and I mean, I, I, I call on her all the time, <laughs> all the time. Um, so yeah, I love her to death. Awesome. Great deal. Vance, any uh, questions from you or the audience? Well, let's see. Um, we have um, 
Rod Turner want to know if you're familiar with Northern European or Celtic shamanism. Have you ever indulged into that? Uh, a little read? bit. I'm, I, uh, I was familiar with it in my earlier years um, when I was kind of venturing outside the realms of Christianity. Um, and actually just recently, my wife and I have started garnering an interest in taking a deeper look in it um, again. Um, really actually through the book, um, Not in His Image. Who was the author of that? John Lash. Yeah, and not the. It's not the like best. I think um, uh, interpretation of Gnosticism, but the way he kind of um, describes, you know, that that Gnosticoid movement kind of stemming from Celtic shamanism really kind of like triggered us, and so we started kind of diving really deep into that. So um, yeah, not not throughout my life, and I'm not an expert by any means. So. Alrighty. Um, there was a question too about um, Philip K. Dick mind melding with the disciple Thomas. Did you guys, any of you guys hear about that? I don't remember that. Yeah, in his Valis experience, when the the hologram lifted, he was the apostle Thomas. Again, you know, remember people that. remember their, their Cleopatra. Well, Phil wasn't going to go for some little guy. <laughs> or he didn't go for Jesus, at least. He didn't say, I was Christ. No, he was. <laughs> He was the Apostle Thomas in the first century fighting this alien, evil empire called the Roman Empire or whatever they were. So, well, he was certainly doubting, period. wasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the beauty about Phil. I think what legitimizes him the most is he always left room to say, I am batshit crazy. I mean, he left yeah. everything on the table. This could be an alien. I could be crazy. This could be God. This could be... A delusion you know he always uh everything was on the table with phil yeah i think on a journey i think that's yeah. like a telltale sign of like a true shaman when you meet one in in my opinion they they will never stick to well this is actually the way this is the way the universe is like He's not no, a mandalorian I, <laughs> I could be fucking nuts or you know whatever i mean that like ha you have to leave room for all of that yeah everything's possible or yeah. no, nothing's possible. As soon as you hear, this is the way, the collection plate's coming soon. <laughs> yeah, then it's no longer shamanism, in my opinion. <laughs> Amen. Good deal. Any other questions, Vince? Um, that's uh, all I have right now. All right. And Whew. so speaking of um, holograms and the past, Philip K. Dick and shamanism, how would you define dream time, Daniel? That's something you address in your book, uh, The Shamanic Soul. Yeah. For the audience, that's what we're discussing tonight. The Shamanic Soul and the Shamanic Kabbalah. Kabbalah and both are great books. Thanks. Um, so the dream time, uh, some people would say that the dream time is the only really true reality. Like that is the actuality. Um, and this reality is kind of the smoke and mirrors surrounding it. Um, I, I I don't know if I'm fully there. Um, of course, I've not had like an Aboriginal um, initiation yet. So maybe I'll change my mind in the future. But I kind of feel like it's that daimonic space. I, I feel like it's that intermediary stuff between the soul realm and, and this world. And so it's that main pathway. It's where imagination resides. It's it's that primary place of inspiration. Um, and so because of that, 
I mean, dream time is important. Like my, my wife and I, we take our dream time seriously. I mean, you'll, we'll, you will spend most of our conversations throughout the day, disseminating our dream time with one another, talking it through. How does it apply? You know, we try to, if we have time and we were both parents. So, you know, mm-hmm. if we can re- have time to record great, but if not, we're at least trying to talk it through. And we've, we've found over the years, I mean, there, there are dreams that we've had that just, we can, we can show what it was trying to tell us about what was going to happen in our life as our life passed through to, over the course of, you know, 10 years, even it's, it's amazing. Um, and so we'll base a lot of our decisions on dream time on, on a, not a completely daily basis. You have to be discerning as to, okay, this is just my subconscious going apeshit crazy. Right. And then this is you know, and something coming from the world soul that you need to pay attention to. Um, and so that's one thing that in my shamanic training is that I had to go through that I was taught to have to like learn that level of discernment. Cause there's way too many people out there that are just like, they get some wild inclination or idea. They think it's a message from spirit and they go quit their job or leave their husband. And it's like, Whoa, like slow down killer. Like <laughs> that, you know, you it, that that's that's really not the way to be that excitable and to just you know be so brash and to make decisions that just bring all this attention on you and everything it's really about being slow and patient and oftentimes messages from dream time or something to just pay attention to and over the course of years you'll you'll see start seeing a, a result it's it's nothing to make an immediate decision over Awesome. Yeah, in my opinion, sense. in my humble opinion. And I'm sure, but doesn't dream time spill into the world? I'm sure what synchronicities and other things are part of the, the waking life, if you would. That's exactly how I found my my maestro, my teacher, was through synchronicity. And Carl Jung, of course, talks about this a lot. And, you know, a lot of people talk about it, of the coincidences that happen that have like such meaning that you saw it from a dream or you saw it from a TV show earlier in the day, because that can be a mess. That can be a messenger of dream time through TV mm-hmm. or books or whatnot. Um, that I always, I don't normally talk about synchronicity because again, it's one of those things that some people take too, like literally, and they take, they take it too much. And, I'm, you know, spirits talking to me every single day. I'm seeing the number seven, 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 everywhere I go or 11, 11. And, you know, what does it mean? And freaking out. And like, sometimes it's just like a cool thing too. It doesn't have to be, you know, you know, you'll see the full results of like real synchronicity. It'll be like a big, big thing. It So, um, and if not, it's just a cool thing that's happening, but yeah, it the spillover happens, and also I'm not leaving. I'm not trying to sound so practical that there aren't really weird supernatural things that don't happen, and especially in terms of that spillover of dream time. You know, I've encountered some like really weird experiences that where I've had to check my own sanity um, that I've encountered of that spillover. But um, again, it's just about like being discerning and not being like too excitable about it, and not trying to you know, take it too far. Like we live in the Buffy universe or anything. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, it can be fun. Scooby doing your way through the supernatural stuff. <laughs> and, um, I was reading, Oh my God, somebody in the chat 
said they were having a dream with the lead singer of Whitesnake, David Coverdale. Well, I'm glad you had wow. a dream with David Coverdale. Give him a call. I think show, I'd rather show up at his front door. <laughs> no, no, I'm thinking of uh, what was his hot wife in the videos? Remember, she was on the Jaguar. Remember those videos back then? I think I'd rather have Tawny Katane or whatever. Oh, she was with I Tom Hanks that. in that movie. That right. when remember when Tom Hanks used to make raunchy movies yeah. before he became like a, a nice <laughs> Famous, guy. Yes, he's, yeah. he's your everyday guy now. Yeah, yeah, but he he made a few raunchy movies, kind of like Porky's movies back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bachelor party, and yeah. <laughs> that that was one of those uh, no nos as a kid, man. If you're caught watching Bachelor Party, whew, you get a whooping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're talking about dreams. I've noticed, and I'll swear to this, um, my dreams change significantly depending on where I'm sleeping. Like mm-hmm. when I used to have an RV, I used to go to different places. Every place I went, I'd have the completely different types of dreams. Mm-hmm. And um, when I'm in the house here, you know, my own home, you know, they're pretty much always the same. Lately, it's been about my parents. I don't know. They're always showing up my dreams lately. But uh, what do you know about that? Is that uh, commensurate with, you know, um, the holy places, you know? Yeah, it's the Encantos. Like Encantos is different everywhere you go. And that's the energy that kind of fuels this sort of experience. Um, So it's like I have a vast difference of sleeping here than if like we go into the city and stay overnight in the city just like huge because the energy is really fast and it's sharp and the dream time is so busy like we never get any rest yes. <laughs> you know <laughs> um it's insane and so you know it you know location matters and it's not even just like whether or not it's a spiritual location like physically the city is a busy place there's a lot happening all the time compared to if you're staying in the suburbs of the country you know so all of that is a to, you know, takes an effect. Roads are very important too. Roads are very important channels of spiritual energy. Um, so in Peru, the Inca empire, what their energetic lines of the planet, the ley lines of the planet were built out, their roads were built in accordance with those ley lines ah. um, and, and the way they created them. And, and that's the way roads actually operate as lines of energy. So I have always noticed wherever I lived, or I've had ceremony, if I had ceremony either in a cul-de-sac in the stagnation versus like being next to a busy highway or a very busy road, like the, you know, that, that movement and that energy. So, you know, physical aspects of your environment totally affect the, the soul experience. Not surprised, not surprised. And there you have it, you modern-day Tom Sawyers. Your mind not for rent to any god or government. Daniel is a gas and a sage for the ages. Much more in our second part. So please become an AB Prime member or patron at Patreon or Red Circle subscriber for the full vision quest. And to support this Red Pill Cafeteria. It will cost you less than a buck per episode, and that's a deal of many lifetimes. The alternative spirituality and philosophy of the Gnostics are more important than ever in this Philip K. Dick world and Gnostic times. This is our time. We high priests and priestesses of Hermes, the god of thieves, and Sophia, the goddess of smugglers. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks for being yourself, your true self, here in the desert of the real. Hello and goodbye, as always. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.